You're listening to GBA's audio education series with me, Tiffany Voorhees. And me, Ryan White. This series came about when we discovered some really great audio education content on the geoprofessional.org website known as GBA. Since Ryan and I are members of GBA and both part of their podcast committee, we quickly realized that this content needed to be shared via podcast. The content we found was designed for one-on-one listening by field representatives and as material to spur discussion during formal training sessions. GBA uses dramatization and professional actors to set the scene for situations you will encounter in the field. But wait, there's more. Tackling topics like effective report writing or duty of care can be... A little boring? (sighs) Yes, but let's not get too punny. While GBA did a great job of telling engaging stories around these tough topics, Ryan and I add some personal lessons learned from each of our many years of experience in the industry, both as field reps and technical leaders. That makes us sound old. Well... I like this better than some of the previous ones, partly because the more I thought about it, the more I realized maybe this comes up. I mean, not the bribing per se, but when you talk about contractors asking for special treatment and things like that, I think I was, I'm just kind of oblivious to it and ignored it because to me, everything was always black and white. I mean, the test results were the test results, regardless of what they said. No one ever tried to buy me off or anything, but At a different level, I think contractors become your friends when you're in the field or friendly anyways. And so there's that understanding that, hey, help me out. So maybe it's not disregard this test result, but here, maybe do like 10 more so that the average looks better or whatever. So maybe there's less for them to do. And I think that's kind of a a gray area. I mean, it's not black and white. I mean, if you take more tests and the average changes and you only have one failing test result versus if you did two and one of those is failing. To me, that's, I mean, that's engineering and engineering judgment versus, hey, you tell me a, a non-passing test passed and I'll give you 500 bucks. That's, that's certainly pretty obviously not okay. All right. You're making a connection to this that I did not make. So why don't we go ahead and play it so they know what we're talking about with the 500 bucks and then we can break down this lovely episode. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Personal diplomacy is not something you're born with. It's something you learn. And it's something you need to learn if you're going to perform as a real pro in the field. Sometimes you have to learn the hard way. And sometimes you get lucky by having a mentor like Charlie Terrain on your side. Wanda, you have outdone yourself. This is the best crab cake I've ever had, I swear. Charlie, you're just an old sweet-tongued devil. No, Wanda, I'm serious. Why don't you start making crab cakes like this? It's a new supplier. They're fresh froze. This is kind of an experiment. Well, my compliments to the freezer. You okay, Tyler? Yeah, I guess. You haven't touched your crab cake. It's really good. Charlie? What? You ever been bribed? Well, I've been offered some bribes over the years. My first wife bribed me, or I bribed her, I don't know which. Geez, Charlie, I don't want to know that. You know what I mean. I'm sorry, Tyler. Yeah, I do know what you mean. I'd, I'd say that in the last 33 years, I've been offered at least 75 bribes. Maybe 100. What? Are you kidding me? Nope. 
Some of them are subtle, you know, like they're said like a joke, like, hey, say, Charlie, uh, why don't I just give you a couple hundred bucks and we'll all just go home? And I'd say something like, heck, Alan, you know, I'm not that easy. And I pretend like I was just joking back at him. But I knew damn well that if I said, you know, that wouldn't be such a bad idea, I'd have $200 in my pocket fast. Did you ever do it? I tell you, Tyler, once I came awfully close. You know, it's the kind of thing... It's like some of the advertising you get, like for a loan or something. You say to yourself, there's no way I'm going to get further in debt. And then every month, like clockwork, here comes the same offer over and over again. Well, the people who are making that offer, I figure they say to themselves, sooner or later, good old Charlie Terrain's going to need that money. And when he does, we'll be ready to make him that loan. Well, the real danger with those bribe offers is that sooner or later, you're going to get an offer at a time when you really need some money. And that's when you find out what you're really made of, let me tell you. What happened? Oh, Irene and I were going through some tough times. I mean, really tough. Charlie Jr. had just been born. Irene wasn't ready to go back to work. Construction was real slow. I was lucky to be getting 30 hours a week. We were in Fat City a year before. I was putting in 60 hours a week, week after week. Irene was bringing home that nice nurse's check, and she was doing overtime, too. Between us, Tyler, we were bringing home in the six figures. We bought a house. Things were great then. Boom. Everything hit the fan. So what happened? Route 84 between Carlisle and Butte Forks. Big job? Big. <laughs> 14 miles of eight lane. I'll say it was big. We just had a small section of it, and we were parceling out the work so as many of our guys as possible had something to help tide them over. Part 2 construction had the contract. Low ball all the way through. And we were the only thing separating them from a profit. They figured they'd be able to cut every corner in the book and make a few bucks. Part 2. They big? They were. Now they don't exist. What happened? Route 84 between Carlisle and Butte Forks. I mean on the job. They had this foreman. Eddie something, I forget his last name. Yeah? And? So, I did some compaction testing, and the numbers came in way low. I said, Eddie, you're going to have to do something. Either fix it or replace it, but this stuff is just way out of spec. He says to me, point blank, Charlie, let me tell you something. If we have to replace this, we're in deep, deep trouble. I'm talking the survival of this company. I'm talking a lot of jobs. Charlie, I get $500 that says you care about these guys and don't want to see them get pink slips because, so help me, Charlie, you stick to those findings. That's what's going to happen. All you got to do is change the three to an eight. That's it. A typo, kind of. That's all. Wow. I tell you about Eddie. He was smart. You know, he wasn't offering me a bribe. He was offering to place a bet. And the bet was that he believed I wouldn't put all their guys out of work. And I'll tell you, Tyler, I really needed that dough. Man, that $500 would have really come in handy. What did you do? Well, I thought about it for about 15 seconds. The one thing I realized was that I'd be working with this guy through the end of the project, probably. And I'd probably see him after on some other job. You know how the same guys keep popping up all over the place. Right. So I didn't want to tick him off because I was kind of mad at him because... He actually had me thinking about accepting a bribe, and, and that was something that was just so foreign to me, you know? But I really needed the money. So I was ticked. I think I was really angry at myself, and I transferred it to him. So what happened? 
So I said, Eddie, let me think about it. Give me five minutes. So you don't just say, go to hell. Let me tell you something someone told me once, Tyler. What's that? A diplomat is someone who can tell someone else to go to hell, and the other guy can't wait to pack his bags. <laughs> See, the one thing is, that doesn't do much good. It's just a matter of saying no that really upsets someone. So you take five minutes each time? No, let me finish. Okay. Say, these crab cakes are good. Hey, Wanda, even Tyler likes those crab cakes. Well, isn't that something? Anyway, where was I? You were telling me that you don't do it the same way all the time. Telling someone no. Well, in this case, I thought about some stuff. I really needed that money. A new mouth to feed and all. And then I thought about Junior and my dad. And I thought, what would happen if I told my son, Hey, son, you know those diapers you needed? Well, I took a bribe so you could have them. And you know what I said to myself? What? I said, if this is really my boy and I confess that to him, he'd spit in my eye. He'd say, I do to my diapers what you're doing to your life. Yeah. And I thought about the meaning of it. I mean, it's not just taking a bribe. It's not? No. It's ethics. It's honesty. You know, I've told you when you're out there on the job site, you're a professional and you have to toe the professional line. Right. Well, you do. That's not just me taking a bribe. It's my boss, too. And frankly, I respect my boss. But it's me, too. It's, it's who I am. It's who my mom and dad raised me to be. They didn't raise me to be dishonest. Yeah, but you were desperate. You know what they call that? What? Situational ethics. I mean, that's like saying, hey, it's okay to take a bribe if you need the money, but it's really dishonest if you don't need the money. Come on. What do you think when you hear about a crooked politician taking a bribe? I get pretty upset. How about a judge? That's really disgusting. Do you respect the crooked politician or the crooked judge? No. Okay, then. You want to respect yourself? You want your wife and kids to respect you? You don't have to go out and climb Mount Everest to get respect. You just go out and be honest, that's all. You get tough in the face of adversity. And I'll tell you something else. What? Once you take that bribe, that's who you are. Eddie tells others, hey, you want to work with someone who looked the other way? Talk to Charlie Terrain. He's on the take. Wouldn't that be great? Word gets around. Don't kid yourself. Don't think, well, just this once. No, no. Once you sell your integrity, it's gone forever. And there's more, too. Geez, Charlie, I feel like I'm in church here. Well, it's better you hear it now before you make a mistake, let me tell you. I'm just joking. This is nothing to joke about. I hear you. Suppose you look the other way just once. Or maybe just once here and once there and something happens. Suppose they find out who left the rebar out and they ask him about it and he implicates you. Then what? I guess. I guess you got a couple of lawsuits coming. Why a couple? Well, from whoever was hurt and one from the state for manslaughter or attempted manslaughter. Think about the great publicity you get from that. So what happened? When? With you and Eddie. Oh, I went back to him and I said, look, I understand where you're coming from. You're loyal to your firm and you're loyal to your buddies. But you know as well as I do that even if this firm folds... Your guys are going to be able to get work from someone else. Be honest, Eddie. How long would it take you to get another job? About as long as it takes to make a phone call, I bet. So I flattered him. Neat. And I'll tell you something else, Eddie, I told him. I could really use the dough. Let me ask you, though. How much do you respect the guys who say yes? How would you like it if it's your wife or kids driving along this section of road and there's an accident because it wasn't built to specs? And then I said to him, I don't hold it against you, man. 
and I hope you don't hold it against me, but I gotta do what I gotta do. Wow. Did you ever see him again? Oh, yeah. That's when I started writing down names of guys in my book, kind of like scouting the other team so I could tell people when I worked with someone before what they were like. Yeah, I saw Eddie again. About one year later on a building job, working for a different outfit. He comes up, big smile, big handshake. Hey, Charlie, how you doing, he says. And I'll tell you, he never tried to offer me anything again. And he really tried to do good work. He respected me. And that's a good thing. So what got you off your feed? You know, we just finished the Henderson job. Yeah. Well, Joe Emery comes over and he says... Hey, me and the boys are going out tonight to have a little celebration, and I'm taking them all to dinner. Then we're going to the ball game. We're going to have a great time. Why don't you come along? And? I said, hey, sounds like fun. I'll be there. But now I'm thinking, hey, it's not a bribe because the job's over. But I'll probably work with these guys again, but they're good guys, you know? We got along fine. I found some stuff, and they fixed it. But it just don't sit right. You're right. It's not a good situation. So if I tell them no, I offend them. I mean, that's like saying, sorry, I'm a cop now, and you're a crook. Well, here's something that might work if Doug says it's okay, you know. You say, okay, I'd love to, but there's one catch. i got to pay my own way because otherwise some idiot might say you were giving me a gratuity or something. Being a friend and having a good time with friends, there's not much anyone can say about that. And, and be honest with these guys. They'll understand. They're not dopes. What about when they're clients? Like Cousins Construction. Last month, Rector hired us to do the CMT on that new strip center on 2nd Street. Cousins was building it. And the next week, Cousins called us to do QA on a job they were doing in the East End. What if they say, hey, I want to take you to dinner. You did a good job for us. What if I said to them, hey, I want to take you to dinner because you're my client. You know, Tyler, some things you just got to play by ear. Maybe you split the cost of some stuff. You say, hey, let me pay for the beers or, or let me treat next time. And just to be on the safe side, so you can sleep at night, maybe you keep a journal and you write down a few notes so just in case something happens later that somebody says something, you can say, hey, here's where I kept a record of it all because that's what a professional does. What about when they offer you ball caps and windbreakers? Some firms say no, some say yes. I got my own way. What? I got a supply of t-shirts and ball caps that say Downs and Associates. When they give me a cap, I say, hey, great, I'll trade you. But I don't wear their stuff on a job site, and they don't wear mine. And it's not that a ball cap is a bribe, you know. It's it's just all the idiots out there that can make mountains out of molehills. Don't give them a chance. You ever been uh, threatened? Yeah, and that's something that you got to be real careful about. I remember one time this guy says, you better change your tune on this stuff. And I said I wouldn't, but I said it uh, kind of strong, if you know what I mean. What happened? I went out to my truck that night, and someone had keyed the door. They wrote on it, your face. What happened? I spoke with Doug. Doug drove the truck over to the construction company presidents, and they talked. The company changed personnel, but I was stupid. How? Well, you know, like I wanted to be a macho man, stick out my chest. Hey, it could have been my face. So now, now I say, hey, man, what do you want from me? I got a job to do, and you got a job to do. It's the same job. Meet specs. Can't we just do that? You know, maybe the guy's tired, maybe he's frustrated, maybe he's got trouble at home, maybe he doesn't mean it, but I'll tell you what. What? I write it down. If I think I got it handled, okay. Maybe I mention it to Doug, maybe I don't. But if the guy says something bad, or if the guy says, watch it, or if my truck gets keyed, or someone fills the cab with water from the water truck, 
water. Yeah, it happened to Teddy Leroy about a year ago. Yeah. Anyway, if my antennas go up just the littlest bit, I call Doug. Now, the other guy, he'll deny it, but I have it written down. I write down exactly what he said and exactly when he said it. If it isn't in writing, it didn't happen. You know it. And you write down who, when, what, where, how, and why. You got it. And when you get in the habit of doing that and it comes down to your word against his, let me tell you something. You're the guy who's going to be believed nine times out of ten, 99 times out of a hundred. But there's no way you go back to a site if you think you're facing danger. It ain't worth it. Not for you, not for nobody. You really helped me, Charlie. Thanks. Hey, being wise is about making a lot of mistakes. And learning from them. Yeah. So, guys, was everything good? Looks like. You know, those plates used to have a pattern on them. Clean plate club, Wanda. I'll say. Those crab cakes were good. Outstanding. In fact, that's one of the best lunches I've had in a long time, and it's on me. No, no, I got it. Wait a minute, you two. You were kind of my guinea pigs, so I'll treat. That's cool, Wanda, but you gotta wear my hat. (laughs) I think you're both nuts. Not at all. Just two pros who are good at what they do. And those kinds of traits can be especially important when it comes to safety on site, which is our next subject. Hey, Ryan. What's up, Tiffany? Before we start bantering about this episode, I figure we should probably tell everybody what GBA is. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. You have to tell them what GBA stands for, because it's a mouthful. Come on, geoprovisional. See, I can't even say it. Geoprofessional Business Association isn't that hard to say. See, you almost stumbled there, didn't you? I totally did stumble. (laughs) And I think geoprofessionals is probably something people don't know what that means. But if you're in geotechnical engineering, environmental services, COMET, GBA is something where you can get a lot out of it. But what is that? What is a lot? What what do you get from GBA, Tiffany? It's a bunch of professionals really willing to share their stories and their resources so that we can all make each other better in the industry. That was kind of foreign to me when I got exposed to it. Yeah, I had heard about GBA, but until I really got engaged and involved on committees, I didn't appreciate everything that GBA had to offer. And for me, the interaction that you talked about, making connections with other professionals in your field um, across the U.S. has been something that to me is probably more valuable even than everything else GBA provides. For sure. That's where we met. See, GBA is awesome just for that. But where you really, really get the best from GBA is by becoming a member firm, attending conferences, and networking with your peers. So that's what I love about it personally. And it's not just geoprofessionals, because like we've mentioned, I don't have anything to do with dirt. So we're going on and on about GBA. Yes, we love it. Learn more at their website, geoprofessional.org. But How about we jump into our opinions on this particular episode now? Sounds good. Let's do it. Okay. I'm going to make fun of this episode a little bit like I always kind of do, but preface that by saying that I, I really do like these. And I love that GBA did this. I think it's an excellent learning tool. 
I think that they went and wrote all these and, you know, acted them out and, and did all that it is awesome. But there's always going to be a little bit of cheese when you do things like that, right? So I was listening, trying to figure out Charlie Terrain. Like, wh- who is this character? Is he modeled after an actual person? Why are they always in Wanda's cafe? Like, it's just kind of a little bit cheesy. But then I feel like I answered my own question because as I was thinking about it, I was like, you know what? He's the mentor. We talk about how this industry needs more mentorship and things like that all the time. So I feel like they're trying to set the example that anyone young in the industry who struggles with any type of thing, whether it's writing and how do you get started or, hey, I think I just got bribed. You need to be comfortable going to somebody and just asking those questions. And and so I think I answered my own question correctly. And if I did, I, I, I kind of love it. Yeah, I was craving crab cakes after that. And I don't even I don't even really eat crab cakes on a regular basis. But yeah, they they emphasize that throughout. Well, and Wanda bribed him in the end. She bought their meal for him. Yeah, but they traded because they gave her a hat, right? Oh my gosh, are we going there? So, okay, so here's part of what drove me crazy about this episode. And I think you mentioned it in the part that we accidentally didn't record, so you'll have to repeat again. But, I mean, I don't feel like this stuff happens all that often. Maybe we're isolated, but... I do think there was a very distinct difference between what they talked about in the beginning with the bribery versus when they started getting into the other stuff, like taking a client out or buying me a dinner. Those were very different to me. And I don't know if I just rationalized that in my mind because, you know, I can certainly relate to one of them more than the other. And I think I don't do anything wrong. So I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Well, I think there's definitely a difference between bribing. It's just maybe more overt. And I don't know, when when someone says, I will give you $500 to give me a passing result when I have a failing result, that's pretty obviously bad. And I think what they were trying to emphasize at the end is there are sort of levels of preferential treatment that you have to be aware of and things that I never considered and no one talked to me about as a young engineer. I mean, to me, it was always obvious that I would never take a bribe and I was never offered a bribe. Um, You know, the results are the results, right and wrong for me was pretty clear. But when it comes to clients, we quote market clients. So, you know, we took clients on fishing trips or we took them out to lunch or dinner. And to me, that's not bribing to me. I mean, that's marketing. Now, when you start talking about a contractor talking to you about changing the results, to me, that's obviously bad. And then hanging out with, say, a contractor, then there there becomes that perception that, hey, we're friends, give me preferential treatment. That's something that I've seen people do. I've seen people go out with the contractor. We've had contractors sponsor us for a golf tournament or contractors where we go to con- to a basketball game with contractors or something like that. And it never crossed my mind that I would treat them any differently as a result of that. I can see where the perception from outside might be that, hey, they're taking the engineer out to a basketball game. He's obviously going to do the wrong thing. And I, I just, I feel like that's a big stretch. And some of those things, I know with public agencies, they can't take meals. I mean, you can't quote market them like a private client because they can't accept that and they would have to pay for themselves. So you can still go out to lunch. They would just have to pay for themselves. So I'm, I'm glad it came up. I'm glad this episode addressed some of this because it isn't something that's talked about very much, at least not in my experience. Did anyone ever tell you not to take a bribe? 
Did anyone ever tell me not to take a bribe? Careful how you answer that. I do feel like early in my career, I had this particular guy that I would call a mentor. His name was Mark, and he was teaching me about roofing. I did roofing inspections in the beginning. And I do recall feeling like he was telling me at some points, you know, they're probably going to try to talk to you in some things. Don't let them. You know, it was never specifically like they're going to try to bribe you, but he definitely was like, oh, you know, you'll you'll become buddies with people and there's a fine line. Don't ever let them push you over. So I do think that that's what he was getting at, but I don't. And, and that's what bothered me about this podcast at first. Like, you know, he said something about, you know, $20 to look the other way. And he acted like it happened all the time. I think mm-hmm. he even gave some crazy number that, you know, quick math was several times a year. And I just thought that was crazy. Like that was overblown. And for was that for drama? I don't know. So I, I don't think that level that he portrayed in this episode was anywhere near real. But I do think the lines can get blurred really quickly if you don't realize it. And so that did kind of sink in by the end of, yeah, I become buddies with these guys. I go to lunch with them. Sometimes people are picking up my meals. Sometimes I'm picking up theirs. And then it will happen where they're like, ah, is this really that bad? Like, okay. And, you know, you were supposed to take, 30 measurements, but you took like 60. So really, if you, you know, threw out some of the extra ones, we'd be right there. I mean, we're within point one, right? Mm-hmm. Like that stuff's literally happened. And I think that they would have been like that, whether we went to lunch and we're buddies or not, because right. everybody just wants the job to get done. But I don't think I ever got to a point where I really was like, somebody's pushing me to make an improper decision. So I don't remember if they talked about it explicitly, but the one thing that came to my mind or the few things that came to my mind were cases where they weren't trying to bribe me, but they did get very angry when they didn't get the result they wanted. And I I was never overtly threatened, but there were certain cases where contractors got in my face um, or made it clear they were extremely unhappy and I felt that it was important that I leave immediately sort of thing. So that I think would be more common. Like they're they're irritated because they think something's good and you're testing it and telling them it's not and they get angry. That to me is a lot more common than being offered a bribe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely have more memorable cases of that. I remember I was working at a refinery doing a inspection of a tank liner. And there's this, you know, there's this very specific standard in the coatings world of SP5 and 10 are the level of cleanliness. So imagine if you've got dirty, nasty, old steel tank, right? And you're blasting it with abrasives. The old school term is sandblasting, but you're doing abrasive blasting and it's been dirty and it's been nasty and they've been cleaning and blasting for two days and then they think it's perfect. And I'm there as the inspector and go, no, you're supposed to have a five and that's not even a 10, right? Because five is the best and they think they're right and they argue mm-hmm. with you. So I had that one time where I didn't really have a good rapport with a couple guys on this crew. I did with the company as a whole, but a couple of the guys on the crew, I didn't know that well. And, and I always thought I was pretty practical. Like this was far off still. And this guy, I explained to him and I show him and I'm like, sorry, I know you guys just cleaned up, but it's not there yet. You're going to have to you know, fire up the guns and blast some more. And he's like, 
you could just see like his whole body tensed up. He starts walking away and he just starts dropping F bombs and this, this B and this F and right. And all that stuff. And (laughs) I probably acted like Charlie said, you shouldn't because fortunately for this particular thing, there is a very clear reference guide. So I went over and got it. It has pictures of what an SP five should look like. And I just said, seriously, you think I'm being ridiculous? And I like slapped it against the wall. And I'm like, does this look like it matches that to you? And (laughs) he actually like just got out of the tank. We were in a confined space. He got out of the tank, walked away, cooled down. I think I was for sure right. And I think he realized it and we finished it off. But I did feel like if it went too much further, he was, I don't know, I could have been in a crappy situation because he was really mad at me. Yeah. And another good point they made too was in how you handle those situations, right? And as a younger engineer, I would say things were a lot more black and white and I was more easily riled up when people would either accuse me of not doing my job right because I didn't give them the result they wanted or whatever. And so I had two instances. And for me, it was sort of a judgment-based observation. So it wasn't a density test where you have a number and it's too low where it's obvious. It was a proof roll. So they're rolling a truck around and you're looking for deflection. And if I see a certain amount of deflection, I might say it's unsuitable, but they might think that same level of deflection is acceptable. And so it's in both of those cases, it was judgment-based. I probably didn't present it in the best way. They didn't want to redo or fix something because it's more work and they want to keep things moving along. But I think I was probably just a little too blunt about it. I didn't, I didn't frame it in a way kind of like what they talked about in terms of him having 30 some years of experience and being wise. And, and how do you, how do you, how do you present bad I've got this bad information I've got to share with somebody. How, how do I break it to them? And that's something as, as a younger engineer, you don't, you don't really think about it. You just go, nope, it failed. I'll be back tomorrow. And you, know, you get a little bit older and you, you might explain a little bit what you're seeing, talk to them about they might be doing that might be causing the problem. But I thought that was, that was really probably the best part. How, how do you give someone this, the news that it doesn't meet spec in a way that they're not going to get angry with you about it? Yeah, I really did like that part of it as well, because that is something that comes with time. I mean, both of those stories were saying when we were young and hadn't learned how to check our egos yet, because yeah. we, we all keep our egos, but we just hadn't learned how to check them yet. We say things like that. So you didn't do the iconic, though, like where it turned into him saying, I've been doing it this way for 30 years. And you, you said, but you've been doing it wrong for 30 years. I didn't have to go there. I, I kept that in my back pocket. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Nope, not in that instance. I mean, in one of those cases, the general contractor got between me and the earthwork contractor and basically said, kind of walked me off the site and talked me down and then went back and talked that guy down and basically told me, I'll make sure they take care of it kind of thing. Like, you don't need to be the one to tell him that news. And so I just I just left. And, and in neither case was it anything particularly critical. I mean, it was, these are small areas of relatively small projects, but when you're an engineer or you're doing observation and testing of something and you have an ethical responsibility to do the right thing, you want to do, do the best job possible. And, and yeah, I just, I just didn't know not to, 
to present it differently. So Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that part up because that ties into, I think, at that same spot where he's talking about the $500 bribe. He mentions that, you know, he walked away and took a few minutes because he knew that he's going to work with this guy again. Yeah. And I, I really liked that example because that's one thing you don't realize when you're getting started in this industry is that those relationships matter. They, they matter in five years. They matter in 10 years. Because if you're a total jerk to somebody, you become a jerk to that contractor forever or else you have to work really hard to repair that. So, I mean, imagine if you treat somebody, you give them the bad news in a really crappy way. And then finally you get off that project and you're done. Well, six months later, you're on a project with them again and they see you and they're like, oh, great. You know, they might either be calling the company and requesting somebody else or they're just going to be cold to you every day. And that can lead to not really communicating well when you need to be out there, not giving you a heads up, not helping you with information. So it it is a very fine line of having to build relationships and almost be friends with people versus being a total outsider. I think that goes, I mean, we're really focused on contractors versus inspectors in this example. But that's good advice for everything in this industry. As as big as the industry is, usually locally, it's pretty small. You do run into the same people, whether it's other engineers that you're competing against normally, and they're doing a project and you have an opportunity to review their, their work, depending on how you present that, you can come across as a real jerk and try and screw them over, right? Or you can do it in a way that's helpful to everyone and helpful to the project. That's another thing that comes with experience. I think. And it's something I've never thought about discussing with younger staff, but this definitely prompted that. So it's it's gotten better and better the more we talk about it. One thing that I did like that Charlie Terrain said was he talked about situational ethics. So this is kind of where they were transitioning to, you know, what happened in the field engineer story. Tyler. Right. Yep. That's right. Okay. So they kind of transition. Uh, you know, what happened with you, Tyler, comes up as like situational ethics, and I liked when he talked about that because that's where things actually hit home a little bit more for me. I mentioned the stuff that I had when I was in the field, but now I am what I call networking, taking people out to dinner. You know, sometimes we'll go out and we'll be at a conference with tons of clients. And next thing you know, there's a pretty big bar tab and we're looking at our competitors who are at the same bar with us. Like, what's going to happen? Are we all going to split this kind of thing? And, you know, I don't see anything wrong with that, but they had me questioning myself on this one and like what situations are okay and which are not. Because like you said earlier, that's kind of marketing, right? Yeah. And I guess that's the one thing I'll probably think about a little harder that I I really haven't, except for when you make the offer and someone says, oh, I can't, right? So if you're talking to someone with a a city or a county agency, I'll take you out to lunch. Oh, I'm going to have to pay my way. Oh, yeah, it didn't even occur to me. I mean, it's, it's not a huge thing, but they have standards they have to adhere to from that perspective because they're open to public scrutiny. But nothing that ever crossed my mind, honestly, before. I think about it because I I do work with a lot of state agencies and local agencies. And a lot of times it's a $20 rule. Sometimes it's a $5 rule, like anything over five, I have to claim anything over 20. I can't take because it's a bribe, you know, things like that. Or even just trying to give them like, you know, I've just given a client a coffee cup before. Like, actually, it was funny one time. I saw that a client was using our competitor's coffee cup. And I'm like, what's up with that? And he's like, well, you haven't given me one. I'm like, all right, I'll give you one. He's like, it's got to be under five bucks. 
<laughs> so I did actually get him one and now it's just a joke. Like he rotates them out, you know, it's, yeah. it's no big deal to me, but yeah, I think Charlie was hammering it in this episode and going a little bit over the top with how perceptions can be, but that, that is reality, right? Perception is reality. And if something weird happens, like, you know, I've talked about, uh, most of my jobs are in Michigan. Imagine all the contracting stuff that went down in Detroit with Kwame Kilpatrick and all the bribes, right? I mean, he he went to prison. So any little thing of even just letting a client buy golf for you can lead to the perception of, oh, there must be a whole lot more going on. And you do just have to be careful and make sure you're thinking about that for them and yourself, I guess. Yeah, I can't say any better than that. <sighs> That's why I'm here. That's what I count on you for. So now do you do you like the episode more now that we've talked about all these things? Was there more value in it than you maybe realized after listening to it? So the first time I listened to it, I just, you know, threw my headphones in while I was working on the bathroom. And I think what drove me crazy is I don't feel like bribery is that prevalent. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, he's also a little bit playing up the overacting and cheesiness and like had the whole thing about my baby and his diaper and being some cheesy thing about his baby would say, I did in my diaper what you did to your life. And I'm like, come on, Charlie. So... (laughs) Did he really say that? Totally. Oh, man, I got to listen again. Rewind it and check it out. (laughs) Totally. I was just like, come on. But in the end, so I'm glad you asked this because here's what it led me to. I was like, there's got to be a reason, right? Like, I don't I don't think this stuff happens that often. There's got to be a reason. And I'm like, you know what? GBA does a lot of things based off of case histories and what's gone wrong in their actual members' companies, things that really hurt them. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to just go to GBA's website and type in the word bribe and search. Sure enough, case history 33 came up and it's a, a actual story about a newer field representative who was bribed. So now I have to go read that and understand what's going on because I feel like I was pretty isolated from this or I don't know if, you know, just maybe the way you were on sites and the way I were on sites, maybe we came off as a little more thick skin and people didn't try it, but yeah. it's clearly happened because there's a case history on it. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. For sure. And don't forget, member firms get all of those case histories for free. And then I believe non-members can buy them for $350 per case history. Wow. It's a bargain. (laughs) It's because they're really good. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you avoid one lawsuit as a result of investing in a case history, it's going to more than pay for itself, though. You're so smart. Hey, that's what I'm here for. You know, what's one other thing, a little takeaway after I listened to it the second time. I listened the second time I listened to it. I was like, okay, it's a little better, right? I like how one of his things was Tyler, you don't want to become the guy who can be bribed. And that was really good. Because if you do, like if you go into that shade of gray one time, right? Everything, we think things are black and white. But if you start getting into the gray zone and say they buy you a couple lunches and then that next time out there, you're like, ah, you know, this technically failed, but it was real close. So I'll let it slide this time. Well, they might correlate those two. And then all of a sudden you become that guy. And on the next job, they'll think you're that guy. They might tell other coworkers that you're that guy. And it's just a rabbit hole. You definitely don't want to go down. I agree. I I think if the emphasis was more on that side of things, 
I guess I would have started out more in the right frame of mind, but I mean, they, they got there and I, I kind of got that information and took that away. So I think overall good episode. I like the content. I like to wrap all of these up with um, kind of Tiffany's takeaways and I have that none for this catchy. one. That is Tiffany's takeaway. <laughs> but I have, I have nothing for this one. I just don't take bribes. Yeah. <laughs> Do the right thing. That's all you need to know. But also think about how you present that bad news, right? I think that's the other part of that is it's easy to give someone bad news and be a jerk about it. And that's what can lead to problems. But if you think about how you present that or, or how you would want someone to break that to you, I think that goes a long way in smoothing those things over. Absolutely. And you know, as we wrap this up and I say I don't have any takeaways, I do think my one is what I mentioned in the very beginning that I feel like this whole way that they set these up was to show that mentor relationship and that Tyler has somebody to go to and that's helpful. And I think that is key in this. If you ever feel like maybe somebody's trying to blur the lines or maybe you didn't realize it and you let yourself blur the lines and then, you know, maybe had a moment of revelation later, you got to have a person like Charlie Terrain that you can go to in your company and just say, I got to talk this through with you. I'm I'm not sure I made the right decision or this happened and I don't know what to do. So I do think that's uh, that's my Tiffany's takeaway. All right. Oh, it is. But you know what? I have one side note, whether we keep this in or not. I was really confused at the end. Why did they casually drop the note about not going to a job site if you don't feel safe? Do you think that's coming up in the next one? Yeah, that is the next one. It's, I think it's site safety. Site safety, but that felt really weird. Like they just go, and if you ever feel like it's going to be unsafe going to a job site, don't go. I, I- took that in the context of being threatened by someone if you weren't giving them the results. I didn't think too much about that. I I would have to listen again to see. Listen for that in the diaper. The diaper. I don't remember hearing that part. (laughs) On that note, have a great week. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Thank you for joining us for this episode of GBA's audio education series. We hope you found this conversation valuable and can use what you learned here. Links to the original audio and all the resources we mentioned are included in the show notes. But before you go, don't forget to give us a review, hopefully five stars, and subscribe to the GBA podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes.